Hey, welcome to the Lance Ross Show. Today, we're going to be talking about these, the current events that are happening, but I have a take on some of the Super Bowl stuff that's going on and some of the controversies of I'm getting into lately, and Charlie Kirk and I are uh, getting in, in, in trouble. It's good to have uh, friends like him in the fire. But uh, why are we in this battle right now? Where, where are you heading? And why is the church uh, being put into this position where it's being attacked by its own side, even? I'll tell you why. Because uh, look at the Super Bowl ads. Do you see those ads? Have you looked at like the woke Jesus ads that are out there and you're wondering, well, something's weird here in the representation of Jesus. And that's why I knew this was coming. I did a series uh, within the last couple of months, actually 12 months, called End Times Jesus. And the reason I have this like lion with, uh, you know, fire in his eyes is because when Jesus first came, the Jews were expecting a deliverer, a messianic Alexander the Great, a Julius Caesar who would deliver them. And uh, that's why even John the Baptist, who prophesied, this is the Lamb of God, he saw the dove come down upon Jesus. He heard a voice audibly, this is my beloved son. And even John the Baptist questioned if he made a mistake. Why? Because Jesus wasn't running around like a conqueror, like a militant warrior dealing with things. He was healing, and his first miracle was wine for a wedding. And you can see John was perplexed. This isn't what I saw. What John saw was accurate. He saw the end times Jesus. He saw Jesus coming back as a flame of fire to deal with the nations. Our problem is the reverse. We've got Jesus, you know, washing everybody's feet and is uh, not, not mad at anything and is just happy and passive. And uh, he's coming back as the judge of the nations. End times Jesus. I want you to get it. Go to lancewallet.com forward slash end times Jesus. I guarantee this will help you understand the disposition of Jesus is always mercy, always love, always truth. And he will also judge the nations. Get this. End times Jesus. Go to lancewallet.com forward slash end times Jesus. I promise you, you'll love it. Now let's get into today's show. Why am I talking about the global picture here? Because I'm telling you something. The world is in a place where it can, it can fragment very quickly because America has lost its cohesive influence in the world. It's losing it militarily. It's losing it as a cultural, social, credible force. And I think the world is watching Trump and realizing that, this, that he is becoming a political hostage to a corrupt nation uh, and, and they're kind of intrigued with how America's, I mean, when we are the trans uh, banner carriers, we're the LGBTQ, uh, we, we remember we're flying that flag on the capital of, in Afghanistan on the day that, uh, that, that we, we basically were, were evacuated out of there and we're losing soldiers. We are losing our brand credibility globally, and it creates a vacuum. And, it, and the presidency is what kind of personifies that brand. That's why I'm coming back and saying, I am hopeful, actually, that Donald Trump is on the scene and coming back, because that's the only answer. The populist movement has got to clean house. The, the left, the Bernie Sanders, Ocasio, Radical left-wing Soros machinery funded with all of the Indiva BLM and uh, Code uh, Pink uh, and Open Borders activists, the funding of their machinery and the working of it into the lobbying organizations in Washington. I mean, it's a machine that took over the Democrat Party. 
That's why it doesn't look like Kennedy or Mondale or even Clinton. It looks like, uh, it looks like uh, crazy glue. So we need a takeover of this Republican Party. And, and MAGA represents it. The populist movement represents it. And there's a spiritual side to this that the enemies hate. That's why they attack the Christians. Because we're praying for God to do something that can arrest the ruptured open border and the ruptured open spending that could take this nation down. Statement by Donald Trump. The RNC, which has been a joke, and thank God that the Bannons of this world, the Charlie Kirks and the voices that are part of our movement, the Bonginos, uh, they, they've, they've, they put, they've put so much heat on the failure of the Republican National uh, Committee that there's change now happening. Donald Trump has uh, issued a, a following statement, but I want you to hear it in classic. This sounds like a Trumpian statement if I ever heard one. The RNC must be a good partner in the presidential election and must do the work we expect from the National Party and do it flawlessly. That means helping to ensure fair, transparent elections across the country. Trump's theory is he won the last election and it was stolen by election fraud. Therefore, he's not as worried about getting the votes as he's worried about getting, it, getting the votes stolen. So his focus is on putting someone in there that has a passion and a priority about dealing with fraud. That's his driving first uh, criteria for who he wants to see in that role that Ronald McDonald's leaving. Even in parts of the country where it won't be easy, we need to make sure that we're getting out every vote and the election is fair. Working with my campaign, the Republican presumptive nominee for the president to win this election and make America great again. For these reasons, I think my friend Michael Waitley should be the RNC's next leader. Is interesting. One candidate, Trump, makes the recommendation, boom, the whole RNC is ready to follow it. That's the influence of Trump. Michael has been with me from the beginning. He's done a great job in his home state of North Carolina, is committed to election integrity, uh, which we must have to keep fraud out of the election. See, that's a big deal to him. My very talented daughter-in-law, and this, this has got people's heads spinning. He's going with his family. Well, you can't. If you're going to be a, a candidate, you can't also have your family running the RNC. Well, Trump's saying, oh, yes, I can. You know why? He values loyalty. It gives you a clue to how he's going to run and govern in the next uh, four years. He's not going to be, uh, you know, letting a Fauci just pop in and go, okay, you're the authority. I'll listen to you. He, he knows he cannot trust who he doesn't know. Laura Trump's going in there. She's agreed to run as the RNC co-chair, Laura. Lara is an extremely talented communicator dedicated to all the MAGA stands for. I like that he's sticking with MAGA. No matter how much they beat on MAGA, he's MAGA. He's a MAGA man. She's told me she wants to accept the challenge, and that would be great. I've also asked uh, Chris Lasavita, in whom I have full confidence, to assume the role in effect of the chief operating officer in the committee. Chris will manage the RNC's day-to-day -day operations. It's going to become a, I like the language he's using, it will become a fighting machine for 2024. They're going to use all the tools available to win for the American people. This group is talented, battle-tested, and smart. They have my complete and total endorsement to lead the Republican National Committee. I just wanted to read all that to you because it, it, it resonates with Trumpian vigor, vitality, masculine energy, and winning. Makes me feel just peppy reading that. Uh, in the meantime... 
He's, uh, he's, he's messing with their head all over America. You know, he still wants to do the Madison Square Garden. He wants to go right into the heart of New York just to have, uh, to have Phil, uh, Phil in, uh, in uh, the arena and show people that he can pack out Madison Square Garden. He also wants to plan to attend the Georgia hearings. You talk about, you know, it was said that Napoleon's presence on a battlefield was the equivalent of six battalions. And uh, that was his enemy's assessment because the psychological presence of Napoleon. Well, Trump plans to attend the Georgia hearing on the misconduct allegation of his prosecutor. Nothing says he can't. He wants to go and be right there listening to uh, in Atlanta on Thursday this week as Fannie Willis engages in a defense of her personal relationship with her lead prosecutor. And uh, they put 34 counts of falsifying business records on Trump. Just to remind you the hell he goes through. I, I get so fed up with these evangelicals that, that are anti-Trump. They, they, they wouldn't last a day with what this guy goes through. And all their Pentecostal zeal, they couldn't handle what he does. 34 counts of falsifying business records in connection with hush money payments to an adult film star, Stormy Daniels. So they're going back into that thing over a decade. And then he's got the racketeering case uh, where a grand jury indicted him and 18 others in August, which is basically all the lawyers are in danger of being criminalized for defending the fact that the election wasn't properly audited. And indeed, the theory is in Fulton County especially, election was stolen. If Trump attends Thursday's hearing, he's going to be able to watch as well as his personal life and our professional integrity are scrutinized and cross-examined with questions. And uh, courtrooms have in many ways become campaign stops for Donald Trump. He will extract something out of everything in order to make it profitable. And so uh, Fannie has to explain her relationship, uh, the money, the vacations around the world. And, uh, and I believe that it's going to possibly undercut her credibility in a serious way as the prosecutor against the former president. Uh, we've got three minutes and 50 seconds in this segment, and I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss, uh, I don't know whether I should go. What do you think, Mercedes? I could go, I could go with um, uh, Osteen's Church. I could go with uh, the, uh, the Super Bowl. I, I got to cover. I want to cover the, the, well, the massive 400 million people watching. This. Yeah, start with, start with whichever one. Go with the Super Bowl, and then we'll go to the next segment. All right, okay. So the, the Super Bowl... All right, let's, you know, so a lot of money goes into the Super Bowl commercials, obviously, and so it's a real opportunity. What was your take on your, I'm wondering what your experience was watching the Super Bowl. I, I found it kind of weird in a way. Humor was, got the best ratings. The Christopher Walken talking got, got big ratings. It, it, it's almost like America wants to go to football not to be lectured to, not to be moralized. Um, America goes to football to forget about the things that divide us and to focus on people of extreme talent doing what is extraordinary in a, in a, in a, a metaphor of combat where only one can win. And uh, the, uh, what happens is we end up getting uh, overtaken with, a, we got a two minute national anthems, people taking knees. It becomes, immediately, the, everything the left touches, and I'll say this, and even when they get religious, when the left gets involved with religion, it doesn't really challenge you or edify you. Or 
It kind of moralizes again in a weird way. And so these, these commercials on He Gets Us really got some weird responses, primarily because the images that are used, and those of you who are listening to the podcast, you're at a slight disadvantage if we play this because you can't see it. These are Norman Rockwell images of... They're actually photographs. A lot of people thought they were AI. I thought they were AI. They're not photographs. They are photographs, 100%. Mercedes is saying they're photographs? All right, now now you now you provoked me. All right, we're going to play it. I want the audience that's watching this, tell me if this is a photograph or if this isn't, in fact, an artist's rendition. Go Let's go ahead and play the app. So it's different people. Do you want to explain it as it plays? All right, so you, that are, you that are listening, we have these scenes of people washing each other's feet. Behind, out of, out of a Here's family like a woman clinic, washing woman. the feet of a girl at a Planned Parenthood. Uh, looks like a domestic de- abuse. Here's an oil guy washing the feet of a native. Here's someone who's an illegal in front of a bus. Or With a Karen washing their feet. Here is uh, who looks a, like a southern a Somalian, couple. Yes, washing the feet of a Somalian. The neighborhood. Black and white healing happening. This is nice. This is this is a black and a white guy, and and finally like a, the Catholic priest washing Catholic the foot. Catholic priest with a gay guy or transgender. Transgender, maybe. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Now there he gets us. He gets all of us. Hmm. All right. So that's so you could look at the the images. To me, they look like they were photographs that were painted on. Okay. They definitely have some effects, but they were supposedly photographs. But go ahead, go, go. My point is this with 23 seconds. It's the conclusion of it. I could look at all those images and I could say, all right, all right, all right, this, you know, I'll just pass on that. But the conclusion is Jesus didn't preach hate, which implies that Jesus will never offend you. And that's why he was crucified, because he wasn't offensive. Hmm. We'll come back and talk about that in a moment. I want to take a moment to talk about the volatile financial time that we're in. And I want you to empower yourself with knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Visit lancewalla.com forward slash birch and get a free information kit. Consider discussing how to shift your 401k or your retirement account into a tax-sheltered gold and silver account. Why don't you go to lancewalla.com forward slash birch right now and take action for a secure future. So we're coming back into the big Super Bowl ads, $14 million spent on uh, telling us that uh, Jesus didn't preach hate, which means that anyone who is, uh, who is actually a force for enforcing morality in any area is actually preaching hate. And the only thing that Jesus ever did was nice things and wash people's feet. And that is, in essence, a misrepresentation of the gospel. It's called the offense of the cross. It was literally the Apostle Paul called it that. Because uh, Jesus with the woman at the well caught her, the Pharisees, the religious people, throw her into Jesus' presence and say, according to the Torah, she was caught in the act of adultery and she should be stoned. Which, of course, leads a thoughtful person to say, if she was caught in the act of adultery, where's the guy? But they got the woman. So the woman is thrown down in front of Jesus. In a beautiful moment, Jesus is writing in the dirt with his finger. And uh, no commentator really knows what he was writing because the Bible doesn't say, but he was writing. 
and they continue to press him, the challenge, you know, think about this, he's got a problem. If he says, let her alone, he's violating the Torah. If he says, stone her, he's endorsing an act of brutality and, and murder in the name of the law. What will the rabbi, who they know is controversial, going to do? Because they've got him either way. So Jesus says, as he stands up, it is written, you know, that uh, she should be stoned. That's what it says. So let him that is without sin among you cast the first stone. Then he sat down and continued writing. Now, some commentators actually believe that what he wrote was starting with the oldest one. He wrote a sin that applied to them. And uh, because it says, and they departed, beginning with the oldest, which means the conscience, conscience, conscience was being dealt with until nobody was there. And then Jesus said, this is the key. This is the key to good theology versus goofy theology. He says, woman, where's your accuser? Isn't there anybody here? And she says, no one, my Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. There's the key. The neither do I condemn you is that Jesus gets us. The go and sin no more is the part that they say would be hate. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus is giving a moral absolute. He's saying, don't sin. And it's the part that talks about sin and its consequences that isn't preached anymore in America. You know, debt is a sin. When you take something, you can't pay it back. It's a sin. It's stealing. And we're stealing from our children because we're printing money that, that we're not intending to ever pay off. And we're going to be gone. And they're going to be saddled with being perpetual Russian serfs. Um, Mercedes, what are your yes, thoughts sir. on all this? Yeah, that is very similar. I mean, you and I have been talking about it kind of in between the breaks, but absolutely. I've uh, this idea that, you know, Jesus, nobody walked away from Jesus disappointed, too. I mean, there's plenty of Bible references. You've got the rich young ruler who Jesus says, hey, sell everything that you have and, and come and follow me. And he walks away disappointed because you have to put to death. You have to put away anything that you would put in front of the Lord. And, you know, there's another time where there's Luke, uh, I think it's Luke 13 or Luke 16. And it talks about many crowds were following Jesus, many crowds. He had a lot of followers and Jesus turns and he starts to, he starts to thin the crowd. And he says, but if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your father, your mother, your brother, your, your sister. You know, if you want to be my disciple, you have to sell everything. There is a difference between a Jesus follower and a Jesus disciple. And so right now in the body of Christ, you've got, a, you've got very, like you're saying, incomplete messages of what is the full gospel? You know, what, what is the truth of the human condition? And so we have to be bold enough to speak truth in love. Like first Corinthians tells us, you know, love does not rejoice with evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It doesn't rejoice with iniquity. It rejoices with the truth. So we can't celebrate sin and we got to, but we got to love people enough to tell them the truth. And uh, I'll just give you a quick verse here. It says in Matthew chapter 12, I just looked it up real fast. Uh, Jesus is teaching. And then, you know, the Jesus who doesn't ever offend you and just washes feet and never says anything controversial, he turns to the people that are uh, there and he says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. But I say to you that for every idle word you speak, you're going to give an account on the day of judgment. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. And then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered and saying, you know, well, 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 give us a sign. And then he says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs, and you're not going to get that sign. You're going to get the sign of Jonah in the whale three days, came back out. That's the sign predicting his own death. What I'm saying is that I could show you a lot of real Jesus conversations where he doesn't come off as the passive Gandhi character mm -hmm. that the religious left tries to make him look like. And I'm sorry that it was evangelical funding on the right that uh, decided to do this campaign because it really represents a, more of a woke Jesus than a Jesus that will awaken you. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know whether $14 million for those ads, I mean, for that ad right there, and, and, it, and it doesn't help. It's actually a political smack, I think, at what is perceived to be the anti-Christian nationalist narrative, which is like a demonic branding and misrepresenting God's people. But what's amazing is there is a, uh, like a, a one minute or 45 second ad that was put together by somebody and it wasn't 14 million. They put it together in response to the weird woke gospel presentation and they just put it together. I think it's the same music, same soundtrack, only this one is a number of lives transformed by the power of an encounter with Jesus. People who are former, you know, go, let's go ahead. I'll narrate it for the other on a podcast. Watch it. It's powerful. I really, this is the gospel. So we have a former witch. That's Kat Von D, by the way. Okay, you know who these people are? Mm -hmm. Former jihadist. A former KKK member. These are all pictures. A former drug addict. Former gang leader. Former drag queen and prostitute. Former abortionist. A former transgender. A former porn star. With her husband. Former new age guru. A former lesbian activist. Jesus doesn't just get us. He saves us. He transforms us, clears, cleans, restores, heals. Such were some of you. It's more powerful, right? I'll tell you what. That's what it should have been. That's what it should have been. I'm glad that we could actually show the Real America Voice audience who could see it. A decent Super Bowl commercial. If you're going to do, if you're going to go gospel, go gospel. That's the point. They didn't go gospel. They didn't go gospel. They went wokey. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't, I don't want to kick a dead horse. I, I do, my heart goes out to, the, to folks that are trying to do good and put money. It's like you listen to these consultants, tell you who screws you up. Yeah. People that have the money, they listen to the consultant, and yeah. sure enough, they get some woke version. Exactly like John Maxwell. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, that's, that's the, other, the other hot potato. I have a pastor friend of mine that just went to a conference in, uh, I guess, Florida, with uh, churches of a thousand members or more, and they had their denominational leaders there. And John Maxwell brought in as the as the leadership guru to talk about leadership for the pastors. 
And they came out and wrote me the most uh, disheartened, um, I guess, a letter. They said they brought their 18-year-old daughter. And Maxwell's main message, almost like a rebuke to anyone that was involved with politics, to steer clear of politics, steer clear of, um, of issues that could, uh, that could be divisive, maintain the unity of the spirit, and don't assume that you're going to be able to change America uh, you know, by, um, by focusing on politics. Only Jesus is the one who can change America. So keep the strife out and focus on evangelism, and you can feel vindicated staying away from the political spirit of this coming election year. I got a whole library of Maxwell material. So the guy's brilliant. But this is, this is the wisdom, ironically, that sounds spiritual, but it's the wisdom of the world, not the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God is that if you're living in a period of time, let's go back in time, that same logic was the logic of border states during the Civil War. In Maryland and in Kentucky, they said, the pulpits were told, stay out of politics, focus on the kingdom, focus on Jesus, maintain the unity of the spirit, don't get sucked into the conflict. Why? Because border states have Southerners and Northerners in the church. Yep. So avoid politics. Every church is a border state, and every pastor has to make a decision whether they're going to be against slavery or for it, whether they're going to be uh, for the National Socialist agenda that is going to persecute Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Jews, or whether they're going to avoid the politics and focus on the kingdom. This is an age-old problem for spiritual leaders where you can rationalize avoiding the courageous business of talking about the two, three, or four top issues that your people are going to vote on. You don't have to focus on a candidate. You don't have to say, I'm with Trump because you might not like Trump, but you might like his policies. You might say, I'm for reducing the debt because debt is a sin. I'm for uh, securing the border because when a wall is broken into, you have, uh, you have destruction. And you can give a theological argument for your beliefs and help your people get moral clarity. You're in the business of clarifying moral issues. That's why you matter. This awakening matters. Courage matters. And uh, the populist movement is going to win in the end. We'll see you again next week. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back, the my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. <gasps> when I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. Now's the time to go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your my pillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code Lance to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code Lance. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends. 
because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.